Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, hi there, and welcome to another episode of The Emma Gunn Show. I am your host, Emma Gunn-Wardner, and I'm thrilled to say that joining me in this episode, I have Chloe Brotheridge, the author of the new book, The Anxiety Solution. Now, I didn't know this, nearly a quarter of the population suffer with symptoms of anxiety, and it is a condition that is more likely to be seen in women. So as somebody who has spoken about my own struggles with anxiety and as there have been guests on the show previously who have been forthcoming about their issues and how they've been dealing with it, I felt like it was time to maybe dig into this a little bit deeper because the thing that really struck me before I was told, oh yeah, you know you've got anxiety, was I just thought I was really stressed or I just thought I'm really hormonal again or... I never really knew what it was, but as soon as you know what something is, you can begin to deal with it. So that's why Chloe is on the show. She's written this amazing book that details her own experiences, but also chapter by chapter just reassures you and gives you, it reassures you that you're not alone and it reassures you that actually it's not a surprise you've got anxiety if you're constantly on social media or if you've taken on more than you can really handle or if you're just living in today's modern society so um, it's really helpful it's a it's a real comfort and there are workshops and little exercises that she does and she's also got a great website which is a fantastic resource but before we get into Chloe what has been happening this week in the world of Emma Gunn's well I've been wanting to tell you about this for a couple of weeks now and I thought no no I'm just going to keep trialing it a bit longer keep trialing it a bit longer and see how I get on I have been using the Carastars Aura Botanica Ban Micellaire, um, apologies for the French. Um, now, I started using this, I would say about six weeks ago, and I didn't want to make any huge claims so early on. So it is about six weeks and I've used nothing else. And the point of difference with the Aura Botanica range is that it's a formulated without silicones. This is significant for me because I have fine hair. Um, I have thinner hair at the front, I have um, female pattern baldness, or my thinning is in the pattern of female pattern baldness. And the thing that I've always struggled with is getting volume, um, getting my hair to hold a style. Uh, It just tends to default to flat, limp, flyaway, and, you know, not particularly um, pretty. It's kind of that 90s grunge look, you know, centre parting, but I just don't look like Kate Moss when I... 
when my hair does that, I just look unkempt and a bit like, oh, poor Emma, she's going through something. So um, I've been using it, it's no silicones, and silicones can weigh hair down. I have been using it for six weeks, as I said, and I didn't want to make a claim this big, but hot damn, I'm gonna do it. It's changed my hair because I now feel like my head of hair is completely different. It feels fuller, it's much easier to style. Um, I can actually towel dry, put a little bit of product, and I've been using, uh, I think it's the Redken Leave-In No Blow Dry. Uh, I'll put the link to that as well, I've forgotten the name, I don't have it in front of me. Um, but I can just use that and I, it's passable, which I never thought would be something that I could do. And actually, I was in work the other day and Amy Greer, who's a feature editor of Cosmopolitan, came up to me, she's a friend, and she said, oh, your hair looks really good. And we started having a conversation about it. And it's one thing for me to notice the difference, but for somebody else completely objective to just say, wow, what are you doing to your hair? It looks really good. That's, you know, I think we can all agree that is one of those signs. So I'm gonna put the links to those in the show notes. The range is um, pretty impressive. And if you have fine hair like me, if you have thinning hair like me, you may find that it's an option worth exploring. Now, I did an Insta story the other night where I was bleating on about the fact I've been rained on and um, should I wash my hair before I went to bed or should I just let the rainwater soak in and use it as styling grit? But what a lot of you, I, I obviously left it in and then heat styled it the next day. Um, but a lot of you direct messaged me to ask me about the ring that I was wearing and it's an arrow shaped ring with parve diamonds. And it's actually by Lisa Snowden and it's available at QVC. There aren't that many left, so I would very strongly suggest you run, don't walk. I'll put a picture of it in um, the show notes. Like I said, I had quite a few people email me, so I thought I would reference it here. Um, I was a guest presenter on QVC for many years and it took me a long time to pop my QVC buying cherry. And once I did, I found myself with like, <laughs> A few of Lisa Snowden's jewelry bits and some washing uh, um, <laughs> detergent for the washing machine that was eco-friendly. So once you pop, you can't stop. I love it, but there we go. Um, something else that I've been using this week, another hair-related product, is the GHG, GHD Curve Creative Wand. Now, I've been a big fan of what I thought it was just the curve, which is just a round-barreled tong with you know the bit that you can pinch the hair with to hold it in place. I met up with GHD this week and they would, I didn't realise that the Curve range actually had more than one styler. And um, I was saying, oh, I just like the kind of beachy look. So enter the creative wand, uh, which is oblong shape. So it's oval. Oblong dates me, doesn't it? That's a very 70s word. So it's oval and it's tapered. And I've been using that and it really does give that kind of dishevelled beachy wave look. And if you section your hair off and you wrap your hair around clockwise once and then the section next to it, wrap that anti-clockwise, you get that kind of very cool, yeah, I've just been surfing and Giselle was there, look, but, um, you know, you're at your dressing table in the greater London area, in my case. Uh, again, I'll put the show note, I'll put the link to that in the show notes. And then finally, I wanted to mention that I went to Abigail James's book launch this week. She has a new book out called Love Your Skin. She's a previous podcast guest and I was so chuffed to go to this launch and to see her book in all its glory. It's a really brilliant resource and the reason why I, you're, if you've listened to the podcast, you'll know Abigail's um, 
sort of very informed. She doesn't just know, she likes to dig. So I love the story about when she was learning her trade and she would meet a massage therapist or a facialist from a completely different part of the world. She would go all in on how they did things and she would learn and she just, she just learns and learns and learns. She just can't stop. And so this book is actually, it's got things like recipes in it for your skin. It's got, so recipes for things that you eat. It's also got recipes for face masks and for other things. It's also got really strong skincare advice. A great section for brides. Do you need to have a course of facials before you get married? Well, Abigail will give you the skinny on that. So I will put the link to the book in the show notes. It's a really, really great resource for anyone who loves skincare and wants to look after their skin in the best way possible. Right, back we go to Chloe Brotheridge, who I popped to her clinic. We had a long old chat. I just have to flag up, actually. This was... It's embarrassing in a way because I actually had a migraine. I interviewed Chloe on a Tuesday. I'd gone to bed early on the Monday thinking, oh, I can feel a migraine coming. I've got Chloe in the morning. I really, really don't want to have to cry off sick with a migraine. Went to bed early, woke up. It wasn't as bad, but it was still definitely there. And I really struggled to get across London. I felt I just wanted to be in bed. I just wanted to be on the floor. And what happened was it triggered anxiety. <laughs> so when I turned up, I was a little bit shaky and a bit of a mess. And so, um, sorry if you hear that in the interview, but that's the reality of it. The and then thank goodness I canceled my afternoon and was able to, um, come home and just work in a dark room because migraines are pretty awful. So there we go. That's a little bit of a backstory about this episode. I hope you enjoy it. All of the links are going to be in the show notes on emmaguns.com and including where you can get her book. So without any further ado, please enjoy Chloe Brotheridge on The Emma Gunn Show. Well, here I am with Chloe Brotheridge. I'm saying that right, aren't I? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, She's the author of The Anxiety Solution, A Quieter Mind, A Calmer You, which I have been devouring. Thank you for joining me on the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Um, anxiety is a an issue very close to my heart. We've just been having a pre-podcast chat. Um, I was diagnosed with it a few months ago um, after feeling symptoms for 18 months, which felt very challenging. And it's actually, and I don't know if your clients say this to you, as soon as you have a diagnosis, actually at least you can work on that. There's something quite um, liberating and freeing and calming about just finding out that, yes, you are displaying symptoms of anxiety. Yeah, I think absolutely. Being able to label it and to know that you're not just losing your mind, that it is something and it gives you something to work with and a position to sort of start getting Mm. help from, I think. And your book starts with uh, chapter one, Let Me Introduce Myself. I started reading this book in the bath and uh, after reading this, shedding a few tears, then sent Chloe an email just saying... It was as if I could have written that from my own brain. The anxious, all the cues were there as a child that I was anxious and didn't really have this toolkit to self, self-soothe self and kind of figure things out, so to speak. So if you haven't read it, I urge everybody to read it, whether you have anxiety yourself or whether you think someone close to you may be suffering with anxiety, which is something that we wanted to talk about. Mm, yeah, yeah. So this is the fact that... Um, we'll go straight into the fact that uh, if someone... It's quite a new thing. It's not something that really people talk about loads. 
it's changing, would mm. you say? Mm. I think it's being talked about a lot more, but certainly a few, few years ago people weren't really talking about it. And mm. I think there is still you know, a bit of shame attached to it. We don't want to admit that you know, we're suffering with something. And you know, even though 22% of women feel anxious all or most of the time, and in the 18 to 24 kind of age group of women, it's nearly 30%. So it's tons. Is it really? Yeah, it's tons and tons of people. And um, I think we do need to come out and talk about it. And what I hear so much, I do quite a lot of workshops and things, and always at the end, women come up to me and say, I'm so glad that I'm not alone with this. It's amazing mm. to hear from other women in the group that are going through the same thing, because I think it's such a comfort to know that it's not just you, you're not broken. Mm. Um, and you know this is part of being a human being that we have struggles like this um do you feel like <coughs> excuse me that um people get the word stress mixed up when they mean anxiety uh, I, mean, I suppose they're quite quite sort of similar in a way um stress is i suppose feeling like you can't cope with a situation in your life Mm-hmm. I think anxiety is more about kind of the way we interpret things. <coughs> okay, that's interesting. In terms of um, kind of seeing things as threatening that maybe aren't aren't kind of threatening. Mm. We we're getting the fight or flight response, um, heart racing, feeling shaky, dizzy for situations that aren't kind of life and death situations. Mm. So I suppose that's that's kind of where anxiety is, is different. But they can, they can almost be used interchangeably, and sometimes they are. That, that's sort of what I mean, because I would sort of say, uh, when I read the first chapter of the book, I thought about when I was at school, and when we had our first, we had to do those uh, French orals for our GCSEs, and you had to all stand in the hallway and wait as every person went in for this 10-minute chat, and I was a complete and utter mess. Mm-hmm. And at the time it was, oh, I get really stressed about exams. But it was, I, I personally don't think it was stress. I think looking back, it was more of an anxious response because my heart was beating in my eardrums would you yeah that sounds that sounds right I suppose kind of nervousness Mm. and kind of fear at situations that you know aren't aren't kind of life-threatening I suppose is is anxiety Mm. yeah and I mean anxiety is really normal actually you know lots of people almost everyone probably has experienced anxiety at some point you know if you're giving a speech or something you might feel nervous beforehand or before an exam but I suppose where it's a, a problem is where it's actually affecting your your life and holding you back from doing the things mm-hmm. that you want to do and um, kind of ruining your happiness, essentially. Um, but it is a kind of a, a thing that lots of people will experience, I suppose, to different degrees. Mm. So if someone is listening to this and they think that they may be either hypersensitive or slightly anxious or maybe a bit fatalistic or catastrophizing everything what would be your initial advice to them so I think it's really important to have a proper diagnosis and I think sometimes as you said it can be quite sort of freeing just to have kind of a a name for what you're Mm. dealing with and a GP will ask you to fill out um, a questionnaire basically and sort of determine whether or not you have anxiety I think it's important to do that and Sometimes they can refer you on to therapy and things like that, although the waiting lists are often very long, so you mm. might choose to do it privately. Um, but I definitely encourage people to have some therapy because it is it does work. It definitely mm. works. And it's important to find a therapist that you 
can open up to and that you have a good relationship with that's really important um but definitely consider consider that and talk to talk to other people as well you know you'll probably find in your group of friends you know 30 percent of them are going to be having similar things Mm -hmm. you know statistically so you know just having that open dialogue i think is so important completely and can we talk a little bit about social media because i think we all feel the pressures of social media i definitely have to I know that I'm addicted to it. I know that I'm addicted to my phone and I really wish that I could just put it in my bedroom when I get home from work and then not look at it until the morning. But I can't help scrolling through feeds and do you see that in a lot of people that you see or maybe chat to? Yeah, absolutely. I've got a couple of clients who've come to see me specifically for social media addiction and it is actually an addiction Mm. because the same part of your... The same kind of um, reward pathway is being activated as in kind of cocaine addicts mm. and smokers. It's the dopamine, it's a dopamine response, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So every time you get a hit of information, like a new like on Facebook or a you know gossipy news story, that you're kind of triggering that reward response, which makes you want to kind of continue going back to it. Mm. Um, and I think it's just about trying to have some boundaries with yourself around your phone mm. um i'm talking to a client and she says she throws her phone under the couch <laughs> so that she can't get to it very easily she'd have to kind of scramble and leave the couch to get it in the evening so that she's not tempted to be kind of on instagram while she's mm. eating her dinner um it might be about another another client said she deleted the facebook app mm. so it's much harder to kind of just log in and um so maybe thinking about are there sort of boundaries, ways that you can make it, it harder for you to use social media so much so that you're less kind of tempted to all the time. Mm. And also I think we've had guests on this show previously who have talked about the fact that it's a completely distorted reality. You must not compare yourself to what you see on social media. To that point, I saw a girl on the tube just now who had Instagram perfect makeup and it looked kind of conspicuous on the northern line because mm. <laughs> it was so perfect and I kind of yeah. wanted to take a picture of her because it was like all glittery eyeshadow and you know black eyeliner and contoured to and matte lipstick and I was like wow her lipstick her makeup is on point but it just didn't look very practical in the real world sure yeah yeah didn't look as good as it did on an Instagram feed right, if that makes okay. sense yeah 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 I suppose yeah nothing's as good in real life as the perfect kind of image that we project onto I suppose we do project perfection onto the things that we see Mm. on social media we see someone looking really good and we imagine they must have an amazing social life they must have an amazing career Mm. like we eat really healthy but actually the reality is imperfect as we all are so um I think it's just reminding ourselves of that obviously and um I often say to people to you know, unfollow people if they really trigger you and unless you really have to follow them for work yeah. or something, you know, no one's going to get a notification if you unfollow them on Instagram. Unless they've got the app. Oh, okay. Do they... There is an app that tells you oh, if <laughs> I know because a friend of mine got bollocked by someone oh, wow. for unfollowing them. Okay. Well, maybe just don't follow them in the first place. <laughs> I know, it's a tricky one. But Jules Von Hepp, uh, who was on this podcast previously, said, and he's he's a celebrity spray tanner. He is the global tanning director of Tan Lux. And he says, my Instagram feed, I follow the RSPB and the National Trust because I like flowers and I like birds. And that's what Instagram is supposed to be about. Not about 
it's a bit like it can be like especially I can imagine for younger girls specifically about following all the people who make you feel bad during the day and then taking that over into the evening mm-hmm. because I don't know how old you are that's one question I haven't asked you yet 31 okay yeah so I'm 39 and if you were being bullied at school or there was a toxic group of girls at school you did leave them at five o'clock and you would you wouldn't have to see them until the next day and you just avoided them if you could I guess but Mm -hmm. now with social media you can see what they're up to and you can feel more excluded yeah it's almost like you can't you can't switch off from it it's Mm -hmm. 24 7 yeah so I think again it comes down to having trying to have those boundaries with yourself and and coming back to yourself I suppose if you if you feel you know better about yourself um then what other people are doing becomes kind of less important if you feel more secure in yourself Mm -hmm. and I think self-esteem is actually the root of so many of the world's anxieties and I think we need to work on, you know, how can we make ourselves feel better, how can we take care of ourselves more and celebrate ourselves more and be kinder to ourselves and that can kind of protect you against, um, to some extent, things like comparison Mm -hmm. because you feel stronger in yourself essentially. So So tell me a bit more about that because that is, Mm -hmm. because as you say, if it's the if you've got a good sense of self-worth, then anxiety may not be able to sort of break through as much. Mm-hmm. How would you advise somebody to work on their self-esteem and their self-worth? Yeah, so, I mean, there's lots of things you can do. I think, I mean, firstly, talking about things, talking about, um, you know, whether it's to friends or to a therapist, about things that are troubling you, worries... Um, Brene Brown who's a shame researcher Mm. she says shame can't survive being spoken so when we talk about these things and shame is basically that sense of oh I'm not good enough there's something wrong with me Mm. Um, when we're when we're talking about those thoughts and feelings that we're having actually it has the effect of kind of reducing the shame especially when you're talking to someone that is accepting you and supporting you it really helps you to kind of process that Mm. and kind of let go of that shame so I think talking about things is really key um and another thing for kind of self-esteem is taking care of yourself because whenever you do something nice for yourself you're communicating a message to yourself that you're worthy Mm. that you deserve to be taken care of that you deserve rest and nice healthy food or a break Mm. or whatever it is so even if you don't believe that you're worthy at the moment take action to send yourself that message mm. and you will eventually start to take that on board. I re- that really resonated with me in the chapter about diet and about if um, if you feed yourself well and you eat slowly and you savour your food and you don't have the TV on, you don't have your phone near you, um, you're sending a message to your body that you're caring for it you're on, and you're nourishing it with love as opposed to just you know wolfing down something really quickly and not savouring the moment. Yeah, exactly. I think it's a good, yeah, it's a good opportunity to to send yourself some some love and care when when you're eating. Um, if someone comes to you for the first time with a very recent diagnosis, what would be the first? Um, what would perhaps be the first things that the first few things that you would sort of share with them to let them know actually it's fine, it's normal, you're okay, and this is how you can actually work on this and be fine be well yeah I think I think firstly it's about yeah letting them know that they're not alone they're not the only one that feels like 
like that. Um, and I think what I see so much is people coming in and saying, I don't relax. In fact, I can't remember the last time I probably relaxed. Right. Um, people, I think, we get sometimes so used to being on high alert or busy or rushing around or doing things that um, it's almost as if we don't, we've forgotten how to, to relax. So mm. it, probably the first thing I teach people to do is to show them that they can relax and mm. actually being relaxed is your natural state um, and help people to get back to that point, whether it's with meditation or breathing or, you know, going for a mindful walk and kind of focusing on your surroundings and the feeling of the ground underfoot as you're walking. Um, so that'd probably be the first thing that I'd help people with to switch off. I, When I was reading the book, one thing that came to mind is I remember being at school and I wasn't very good at school at all. I, I'm not somebody who can um, learn by reading. I'm a, I'm a visual learner, if that makes sense. So school wasn't the greatest foundation for me, but I perfected a concentrating hard face so that my teachers thought that at least I cared. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I was reading some of this thinking, is anxiety sometimes feeling like it's caring too much? about things yeah I think there's, there definitely seems to be certain kind of traits that come into anxiety um kind of maybe caring what people think mm-hmm. people pleasing not wanting to kind of make mistakes um, perfectionism I see these things so much especially in women mm-hmm. um, with anxiety so I suppose that would be kind of care, caring too much yeah. being kind of overly conscientious mm-hmm. Um, and I think that can come about for loads of reasons. I think as girls, we're, we're socialised to kind of um, put the needs of other people before our own quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, to be good girls and not kind of rock, rock the boat. Um, and I think we kind of take on board a lot of that kind of growing up. And um, yeah, sort of things like people pleasing, I think, are incredibly common. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that maybe... You, do you think people know that they're people-pleasing or do you think that's something that they have to have identified by a third party? Yeah, I think, so. I mean, some, some people will know, some people mm-hmm. will know, some people might be oblivious of it. I suppose um, it's about kind of tuning in and asking yourself, am I, am I kind of putting other people too much before myself at the expense of myself? Mm. And if you're kind of overly concerned about what other people might be thinking or... You know, because I suppose it's about trying to... I think sometimes it comes down to kind of control as well. We're trying to control what other people think and feel, which is completely impossible. You can't control another person's thoughts. Mm. Um, That's actually a a kind of a way of self-soothing. I don't know if it's something that you think works, but I definitely... I'm much better able to do it for other people than myself, but I'm working on it, which is... I can't get upset about this because actually the only part of this situation that I can control is my reaction to it and I'm not going to let it bother me. Yeah, I think that's such a good reminder. Such a good reminder. Just As opposed to... That. I got to the point where um, every time a letter... Every time I got the mail, if there was a white letter which was a bill or a brown letter which was from HMRC, even before I'd opened it, stress response immediately, completely catastrophizing. Oh, what if it's going to be a... <laughs> and mm-hmm. that was how low my coping mechanism had got and now it's like well I'm, I'm doing everything the right way so these letters mustn't 
I can control my reaction to that and these letters can't bother me. Yeah, yeah. I think it's really important as well to notice the ways that you've made progress as well mm-hmm. and to kind of, yeah, sort of celebrate that in a sense or just mm-hmm. recognise actually it is about trying to make progress rather than, you know, you're never going to be perfect. It's we're all yeah. kind of works in progress and, um, you know, just taking it, taking it one day at a time. A lot of people suffer anxiety in the workplace. And there are only certain things in your workplace that you are able to exert control over. Mm. And if you have a toxic working environment, whether it's a boss who you think doesn't like you or colleagues who don't seem to let you, I don't know, uh, share any of the glory or any, any of those things, what can someone realistically do about an environment that they've tried to work within but they can't is is there a way around it or sometimes when do you admit defeat and say well not defeat or when do you just say this isn't a great situation for me I've got to find an alternative Mm, yeah that's that's an interesting point um I was talking to someone recently and they said they'd gone to their doctor talking about kind of work stress and work anxiety and their doctor Mm. said oh just quit your job just quit your job you Mm. know honestly that's not a practical solution if you've got to pay your bills course, and your mortgage yeah. and things and maybe you don't want to maybe it's a career that you like mm-hmm. and it's a, or it's a good company or something um but I suppose it comes back to thinking about what you can control and just focusing on that so mm-hmm. can you make sure that you're having a lunch break and doing something for yourself on that lunch break can you work on I don't know maybe it's about learning assertiveness skills so that you're able mm-hmm. to express what your needs are to your boss and kind of set boundaries yeah. So saying, right, I need to actually leave at six thirty on Wednesday, and making sure that you're you're doing that. Um, so yeah, focusing on what you can and things like meditation. I often think about it being like um, upgrading your brain's hardware. You know? I love that when you said that. I yeah. just thought I just think that's so true because it's it does actually um, change the what's the correct word like the typography of the brain doesn't it It changes the yeah yeah it changes I suppose the structure of your brain you grow more gray matter in the front part of your brain which is which helps you to be more rational and to kind of reason with thoughts and emotions rather than thoughts and emotions kind of sweeping you away Mm. and spiraling yeah Um, and it shrinks the amygdala as well so the amygdala is the part of your brain that's creating the fight or flight response so you want that to be as calm as possible and Mm you know, not kind of overgrown, I suppose. Um, so if you can't control certain situations in your life, one thing you can control is, yeah, upgrading your, your brain's mm. hardware and that will equip you with a better with, with better kind of tool, I suppose, to deal with stressful, anxiety-provoking situations. And it, it really is, it's a case of 10 minutes a day. But what I like about the options that you give in the book is... Um, you talk about breathing exercises or using a mantra and the breathing exercises three counts in five counts out and I was saying to Chloe listeners before the show started that that I found that amazing because when I started to try and do this calming breathing um everything that I found online said seven counts in 11 counts out but if you're really struggling with anxiety, or certainly in my case, I didn't have seven counts of breath to take in. Mm. So that would make me even more stressed and then I'd start breathing really quickly. But three and five is really doable. 
Yeah, yeah, I think it's, it's such a, an easy thing. I think sometimes people dismiss breathing exercises as being too, too kind of simplistic mm. to work. And actually, it's one of the best things you can do in the moment to kind of calm, it actually calms your nervous system down. Whenever you're breathing into your belly, so you relax your belly and imagine that you're blowing up a balloon mm. um, and it sends a message to your nervous system, it calms your nervous system down um, and you're lengthening the out-breath. Um, sometimes um, people say it's like breathing like a baby because that's how babies breathe. Mm. They really push their bellies out and their out-breath is slightly longer than the in-breath. Yeah, because if you just think about it, next time you catch yourself, because obviously we don't really think about breathing, but... Um, into like particularly on a commute or something you might find that your breath is really shallow and I don't know if you have any um, experience of people saying that they feel like they forget to breathe and they catch themselves on an out breath and you're like oh yeah sure I should have taken a breath in then Mm, mm, yeah yeah I think I think breathing through nervousness and anxiousness is the best thing you can do in the moment you know if you're sitting in a meeting and it's Mm. they're going around the table and you've got a you know, give your update on what you've been up to or something in the team meeting and your heart's racing, just kind of breathing through that feeling. Mm. Try not, don't fight, don't fight that anxiety, just as much as you can breathe, breathe through it. And meditation, a lot of meditation focuses on the breath as well. Yeah, yeah, so there's, yeah, different types of meditation. It might be, you know, focusing your attention on the feeling of your breathing. It might be um, saying a mantra to yourself in your mind. How does the mantra one work? Yeah, so um, I practice something called TM, which is transcendental. transcendental meditation, as does Katy Perry, by the way, she um, reportedly. And Tim Ferriss and Arnold Schwarzenegger. But he, yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger did it for a year and was like, no, I've got what I needed, I'm fine. Okay, good for him. Yeah, <laughs> hardware updated. Um, yeah, so, so you say a mantra, you're given a, a word or a sound, it could be anything, it could be... Tables. <laughs> I love the fact that a car just beeped its horn outside. It could be <laughs> toot. <laughs> um, it could be table, and you're just saying this mantra to yourself silently, and it almost feels as if you kind of sink inside of your mind to this kind of calm, quiet place inside, mm. deeper inside yourself. Um, and you feel really good when you're down in that deep, deep mm. part of yourself. You feel very calm, and um, it helps you to feel better for the rest of your day. Um, but there's so many different types of meditation, guided meditation, do some yoga, go for a mindful walk. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be sitting down kind of with your eyes closed necessarily. See, I did a guided meditation. A friend sent me a link a little while ago. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply and said oh Ems you should do this and it was about cutting emotional ties Uh and you have to visualize being across a stream from the people that you want to cut emotional ties from and I got really into it and I saw colors and everything um when I visited the people I saw like I didn't see them I saw like a color around them or whatever and I thought oh that's a nonsense and then for two days I sobbed 
interesting yeah so now I'm quite scared of guided meditations okay. I think they're quite powerful yeah 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 I suppose there's, there's so many different types out there mm. and some may bring up some kind of stuff to be healed mm. I guess um others maybe just for relaxation helping you to switch your brain off if you're somebody that finds it hard to relax mm. and switch off um but that's interesting that you had that experience but you haven't listened to it again no no okay no, I do. I use the Headspace app. Yeah. As yeah. not as frequently as I wish, not as regularly as I wish. I'm rubbish at it. But you said it in the book. You you don't. On a day when I think I haven't got time to meditate today, I need to change that and ask myself, do I have time not to meditate today? Mm. Because that really is. These are the gems, listeners, that you can get in Chloe's book. <laughs> I, honestly, the link will be in the show notes. Even the cover itself. I showed it to two friends. You said, oh, even the cover's calming. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think the, the quote is, yeah, do you have time to feel rubbish? Do you have time mm. to feel rubbish? Because that's, I mean, for me, it makes such a difference if I meditate and I just see mm. it as this essential thing that I have to do, like brushing my teeth to have a good day, yeah. sort of thing. So for me, I make it a priority, you know, and it just makes my life so much better in every way, I find. Do you find generally that people tend to have more success? Because I know in the book you talk about doing it at the same time every day because it helps the brain... Um, create the habit mm, yeah do you yeah. find that morning does tend to be for the majority of people yeah I guess it, I guess it depends on your schedule maybe mm. you could do it on your journey to work if you're not driving <laughs> maybe you can just prop yourself up in bed first thing like Katy Perry that's what I do I just prop myself up in bed in the morning first thing before I kind of look at any emails or anything um, maybe you have more time in the evenings maybe you finish work earlier and you have that time before dinner to kind of spend a bit of time doing that so yeah but maybe in the morning experiment and see what works best for you I would say because you have um not only you qualified but you have experience in this you've been someone who's had anxiety and you've had I don't want to put words into your mouth here but have you had anxiety attacks yeah yeah so I, I think it it started, I think I was probably always quite an anxious kid. I always had the kind of warning signs in early childhood. But about 15, I think I was just not very good at uh, talking about my feelings, kind of a lot of teenage hormones, kind of discovering alcohol and kind of ha- having bad hangovers. And I think it, it, I had a kind of massive panic attack, basically, where I was convinced I was dying. I felt like I couldn't breathe. It was a bit like I was being suffocated by my body. It was absolutely horrendous and I was convinced I was dying basically and I didn't really feel normal after that for quite a long time wow. I think I and you were 15 yeah 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 God. and um I went to see a counsellor at school and she said just don't panic don't panic what have you got to worry about what have you got to worry about and that wasn't really the point you know you don't mm. need to have something in your life to worry about in order to have anxiety it's mm. not really about that um so yeah, I kind of, I had struggled for years, probably 10, it was 10 years before I actually properly got therapy and help. I was 25 and I started um, Chloe. talking about things and having sort of therapy. It took me a long time to, to kind of realise that actually you can get better and this is not just the way I am. I don't have to feel like this forever. So For those 10 years, did you just feel like you were navigating away from another attack? Or that that's quite a long time to 
not really know what caused that one thing yeah. and to maybe have a level of fear about it. Yeah, it's actually the average amount of time that most people suffer a mental health issue before they get help for it. It's 10 years, which is an incredible um, statistic, really. I'm, um, I'm really stunned. I thought that my 18 months was a long time, but mm-hmm. clearly not. Yeah, so for most, most sort of anxiety and things like that, it starts in the teenage years and people don't really get help for, for years and years. Um, I think for me it was kind of on and off and I kept myself very much in my comfort zone um, trying to stay safe and kind of holding myself back from a lot of things Mm. Um, and if you kind of hold yourself back in a way you're kept safe and you don't have to necessarily deal with things and it was only I got into my first serious relationship at 25 and um, something about that having a kind of safe space to talk about things for the first time um, brought up loads of insecurity and anxiety and that was kind of my trigger for getting help I think mm. um, so yeah I definitely recommend get therapy get help sooner rather than later definitely works you don't have to struggle because I think because I'm still sort of struggling a bit with the stigma of it a little bit just because although I don't feel ashamed about saying well, I've been diagnosed with anxiety and I see a counsellor now I do know that some people will see that as a failing or as um, something that makes me less good. It's sort of a really um, rough way of talking about it. And I don't believe it is. But I'm a typical anxious person. I'm worrying about what other people are thinking. Mm, mm, mm. Um, And I think it's really important to, like you say, 22% of people. Is that... Yeah, so 22% of women... Um, it's actually, in terms of anxiety, that is. Mm. Um, it's about half that in, of men. Um, so it's twice as many women as men. Um, Interesting. When Henrietta Norton from Wild Nutrition came on the show, and we, we focused specifically in the main on adrenal fatigue, and she talked about how it was more of a woman's problem than a man's problem mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. There's lots of reasons for that, I think. What would you say are the main ones? So, okay... Our brains um, are more reactive to stress, so we're more prone to go into fight or flight than men, just biologically. We have hormones that fluctuate. Lots of people report, you know, before their period, becoming more anxious, depressed, that sort of thing. Um, Women are more likely to suffer from abuse. Um, Women are more likely to be kind of single parents. and if you're on a low income, that is associated with more anxiety. Um, gosh, there's loads of things. I'll go on and on. Please do. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's other things like um, the way we're brought up. I think I mentioned this earlier about putting the needs of other people first. Mm. I think there's more pressure on women to be perfect um, and to kind of live up to a lot of standards. I think for lots of reasons, the media may play a role. The way we're brought up may play a role. Um yeah, we're more like to ruminate as well. Just this, I don't know whether this is nature or nurture, no one's really sure, but men are more likely to take action on, on things. Women are more like to stew and kind of think things over and think of every possible outcome before we take any action. And actually, probably taking action is the more kind of beneficial thing to do rather than kind of stewing and ruminating over things. Well, men often say, don't they, or with rows, girls tend to have bad rows that end in a big fallout whereas blokes will just have an argument and then be mates again Mm, it's that sort of thing isn't it yeah 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 it's interesting yeah how fascinating okay so um 
I know that you love meditation and I'll put the links in the show notes to Headspace, but you're also a big fan of yoga. Mm, mm. What is it about yoga and are there any specific types that you really favour? Yeah, so for me, I sort of see yoga as, for me, the kind of gateway drug, I can say the (laughs) gateway drug to meditation because I couldn't meditate until I did a bit of yoga beforehand because I was somebody that couldn't sit still, always just thinking about what I needed to do next, just having loads of thoughts about all different things. Mm. And I found if I did sort of 10 minutes of yoga and you could just watch a YouTube video, there's so many free yoga videos. Yoga with Adrienne. Yeah. That's what I've spoken about before. I've heard a lot about good things about her. Um, And it just helps to kind of almost calm your mind down, get the stress out of your body, and then you can meditate much more easily. Mm. Um, For me, I prefer sort of slower, more chilled types of yoga rather than the kind of strenuous um, kind of... I don't know what you call it. Um, the, the dynamic yoga. It's like Ishtanga yoga. and Vinyasa. Yeah, exactly. I walked out of a Vinyasa flow class. Did you? In yeah, an ab- yeah. like Because I was, it was a 90 minute class and 45 minutes in, I was so angry at how crap I was yeah, that I stormed yeah. out and I was like, this is not the reason why I've come to yoga. Yeah. And then I just, stu- and then I stumbled upon yin. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Which is, how would you describe it to people? Yeah, I suppose it's, um, spending a long time in positions rather than kind of moving quickly from position to position position to position um and it's much more about kind of surrendering Mm. and letting go and kind of releasing whereas i suppose dynamic yoga is more about kind of i don't know for me personally i know lots of people love dynamic yoga and it really sorts their heads out yeah for me i'll be thinking oh i've got to keep up with this and it's kind of more pressure for me there's a steep learning curve with yoga it's not an easy but it's not a it, it's not an easy physical pursuit. It's probably easier to go from couch to 5K than it is to go from beginner to decent Ashtanga yogi. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think so much of it is the pressure that we put on ourselves to be good. Mm. Like we've got to be, able to be good, we've got to be able to touch our toes. You know, how come she can do this and I can't? Yeah. That kind of comparison. And just um, what really helped me was the yoga teacher that said, yoga is a breathing exercise. And I was like, oh my gosh, that is such a relief. Yeah. You know, I don't need to be good at these poses or really bendy. It's just about the breathing and com- coming into your body and kind of calming your, your nervous system down and calming your mind down. Um, so it was a relief to, to know that. That's the thing about yin. So I do a class at Tri Yoga with a girl called Cal, and she explains why you're in a certain position. And she'll say, you know, this is releasing this meridian or this is um, easing the pressure on your kidneys, which can cause stress in a number of ways. So when you're in, so as well as being in these sort of fairly simple to hold, but somewhat uncomfortable positions, once you begin to relax into them, it's almost like you can visualise that tension just sort of evaporating out of your body. That sounds good. Yeah. (laughs) You should try it. And then I also like going to a yoga class where you basically get two big pillows and a blanket and you're encouraged to just lie down. That's the best. I love that. (laughs) And it doesn't seem... But because someone's saying to you, telling you how to breathe when you're in those positions, you just think, I can go home to bed and do that. Because someone's there saying, you know, breathe in and release the breath and you sort of get into... The whole class get into a rhythm. That's the whole thing. It's breathing. That's Mm -hmm. the benefit. Not Mm -hmm. obviously sort of being on your side lying on a cushion is very very nice and there's a benefit to that too but it's the the breathing pattern that you get into yeah absolutely yeah it sounds good I need to 
that makes it's you feel more restorative <laughs> do you um have any uh apps or anything that you recommend to people so what do i recommend i mean headspace mm. i often recommend um this what's that what's that app um I can't remember the name of it now. Is it the Yin Yoga? There's a Yin Yoga. Oh, yeah, there's a Yin Yoga app, yeah, mm. yeah. Um, but often things like YouTube. I mean, YouTube has loads of guided meditations on there, yoga. Um, I've got a download on my website, which is a hypnosis kind of download that people can try. So um, this is karma hyphen you, is that right? Yeah, yeah, dot com. Dot com forward slash. Free. Okay, there you go. Yeah, yeah. so you can get an MP3 there. Um, but yeah, I like I like YouTube actually. I've a lot of a lot of free things. You can find some good ones, some good videos, and and there are some good Facebook groups and things like that that sort of um, people throw up what they're finding or share links. I'll try to find some of those to put those in the show notes. Um, there's so much in this book that I want to dig into. Um, talk briefly about food and about how you should be more mindful about eating, but then also. Um, the gut I've had a couple of nutritionists on the show we've talked about how being happy and relaxed starts in the gut and how it's the second brain but also alcohol and caffeine I don't know if you have any specific thoughts on let's start with caffeine because I don't know anyone who doesn't start the day without a cup of coffee yeah exactly and I don't know I think everyone is different and you've got to do a bit of an experiment with your body and maybe you're fine with caffeine and it doesn't affect you so much um, but it might be worth doing a bit of an experiment and cutting it to half the mm. amount you're having um, or try cutting it out and see see what happens and be aware that you may get horrendous headaches for about three days. I cut out caffeine a few years ago, well, coffee, I still have tea and things like that, but I had horrendous headaches for like three days and wow. it just shows that your body is actually getting rid of something. Um, there is some kind of withdrawal happening. Um there have been studies, for example, and they gave people with panic disorder high levels of caffeine. And in, you know, maybe 90% of those people, they, it triggered a panic attack in them. So if you do have something like panic disorder or you're somebody that's got a lot of, you know, adrenaline um, pumping around a lot of the time, I think it would definitely be worth exploring whether you kind of cut the caffeine down. Do you believe in decaf? Um, I'm not sort of one of these people that can taste the difference. I've got a really unrefined <laughs> palate when it comes to coffee. So I could drink a, ca- a decaf and not even know the difference. Well, that's what I mean. That's, mm. I mean, that's the dream, isn't it? Yeah. That you can't taste the difference. <laughs> I drink decaf now, but, yeah, um, yeah. and I can't tell the difference. Okay, yeah. But, I mean, it still contains tw- 25%, I think, of mm. the caffeine content. So it's not caffeine-free. It's yeah. just, it's like Diet Coke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. less. Yeah, yeah. So if so, would you say that that's a that's a better move? Yeah. So I mean, probably for lots of people, having one coffee a day in the morning might be tolerable for them. Mm. It might not have an effect on anxiety. So yeah, experiment with it. Experiment with different types of decaf um, and things like you know Roybosch tea. I'm quite into turmeric lattes and things like that. There are different drinks that you can have that are kind of exciting. Mm. And they can feel like you're getting a some a break when you're having them sort of thing. <laughs> now you talked about bright blue alco pops mm-hmm. <laughs> in your teen <laughs> years. <laughs> Talk to me about alcohol and anxiety because I know very many people and I've done it myself where I've had a bit of a long day and I just feel like actually just going home and putting my feet up is not going to be enough. I'm going to have a glass of wine tonight. 
Um, but that actually might not be helping the problem. Yeah, I think like hangover anxiety is definitely beer fear. Thing. Beer fear, I like that. It's <laughs> the worst. Yeah, yeah. So beer fear. Um, so the next day, when you're when you're thinking, firstly, your body doesn't feel right, mm. you know, and that's a trigger for lots of people. Yeah. You know, if you feel wobbly or shaky or um, kind of I don't know, you're sweating or something, it's very similar to anxiety. So you might kind of interpret that as anxiety, and it can make it worse. Um, you might think about, oh, what did I say last night? What did I do? How much money did I spend? All these sorts of things can be big triggers. Mm. So, um, so look into that and you know explore, explore whether it's about I don't know drinking a glass of water in between every alcoholic drink or buying meeting friends for brunch. This is my favourite thing to do: meet people for brunch rather than drinks in the evening. And then you can't drink. <laughs> True. Um, but a restorative or medicinal glass of red in the evening, mm. you wouldn't say is an issue. It's if you're talking about uh, drinking to a level where you would feel a hangover the next day. I think, again, it's going to be an individual thing. Yeah. Some people will be totally fine. Some people maybe need to not have any alcohol at all in order to feel okay or feel mm. at their best. And I think, again, it's about experimenting with yourself and just making a note of what you notice about making different changes to your lifestyle so how do you feel about journaling i personally love it Mm -hmm. i think it's really good i think um whenever we're putting our feelings into words it has a therapeutic effect Mm -hmm. so just writing down how you're feeling i think is really really positive and um it might just be making notes in your phone about the sorts of things you're worried about mm. just so you're kind of getting it out and sometimes when we see it written down it can seem less overwhelming maybe yes. but yeah I'd recommend write, writing it down write it down Tim Ferriss is a big fan of the he journals in the morning you you I think you mentioned him in the mm, yeah in the yeah, book yeah. I think I think you talk about Tim in reference to cold water therapy don't you oh okay yeah yeah which yeah. is um because I and I've recently written a piece about this because I've started doing this thing where at the end of my showers I turn the tap to its coldest Mm. and it's no fun but if you stick with it it does get good but he's a big fan of the uh journaling and just getting your thoughts out there in the morning yeah I think it's just a good way to set yourself up for the day and you could do things like I don't know a gratitude list where you write down the things that you're appreciative of your life and I think if you're somebody that is prone to negative thinking um, which is I think goes hand in hand with anxiety Mm. kind of negativity about the future about yourself and about your ability to handle things and by kind of making a note of the good things in your life and maybe the good things that you've done or the times that you've handled things you're training your mind to automatically be more positive because you're kind of on the lookout for those good things more than the negative things. So um, I think Tim talks about sort of gratitude journaling as well. I think it's good to practice. Yes, very much so. And also he talks about, um, well, he's hugely into meditation. He does journaling. He also monitors his diet quite rigidly. Yeah, have you read his? I think he's written a book, The Four Hour Chef. My boyfriend's into it, and he's. I have he not read The Four Hour Chef. He does lots of kind of weird and wonderful experiments on himself. But the, he does different things, and yeah. I can't remember which podcast of his that I was listening to. But Tim was talking about anxiety, and he just said something very simple, and it was something like 
depression is an obsession with the past and anxiety is an obsession with the future or maybe obsession is the wrong word but Mm -hmm. is that something you agree with I think that's maybe simplifying it and it is a I think it's a term that has been said um yeah I think it's simplifying it but I suppose it's fairly accurate you know often anxiety is about stuff in the future catastrophizing and imagining all the things that go wrong Mm. and believing that we won't be able to cope um, I suppose depression, there's so many things that can come into it, but it might be dwelling on mistakes of the past. Mm. Um, but just stress in general, you know, a, a depressed brain is a stressed brain, is mm. another kind of saying as well. Um, I think stress in general will, is a contributing factor to that. And we talked about this like just before we started recording, but if you are worried about the past and you're also worried about the future, decision making becomes very difficult. And we were talking about that, you were saying that... Um, decision-making is one of the things that comes up in with your clients, perhaps. Yeah, I see it a, a lot. And it's it might be decisions about small things, like which pair of jeans to buy, or it might be you know the big things like what to do with your life and where to live and, and that sort of thing. And I think there's maybe this belief that there's a perfect solution out there. Mm. If we could just kind of overthink it enough, or we could just analyse every sort of bit of information possible and every outcome then we'll find this kind of perfect one path for us in life, or that one perfect pair of jeans that doesn't exist. Um, so I think that you can get into a lot of overthinking and analysing and it stops you from moving forward, I think, because you're mm. so scared of making a mistake. And obviously it's not very nice to just be worrying about things all the time and overthinking everything. Mm. And sometimes we do just need to make a decision and trust that usually you can change your mind if it really isn't the right thing for you. And that sometimes you don't, you're never going to know for sure unless you take that action, yeah. and then more information becomes available to you about what what could be right for you. Do you think there's an element of people worrying about looking silly or looking stupid? So if they make a decision and it doesn't go the right way, that other people will perceive it as well. We could, we saw that a mile off, or we could see that coming. Yeah, yeah, sure. I'm sure that that must come into it. Sort of, yeah. Worries about what people think. It's mm. just such a a common thing and yeah it might feel easier just to do nothing to not to not kind of move forward with that new career choice or moving to a new city because you don't want to be seen to kind of come go back to your old job or move Mm. back home or whatever it is well doing nothing comes back to another one of these generalizations that i've um heard about which is analysis is paralysis Mm, mm, mm. i think if uh, if an anxious mind is an overthinking mind then um it can make you worry about doing anything and therefore you do nothing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, fear, fear of making the wrong choice and fear of looking stupid will all come into it and stop you from maybe moving forward or trying things. Um, also, if you're quite hard on yourself, I think that comes into it as well. If, you're, if you know that if you try something and you've, it doesn't go exactly as you would want, you're going to beat yourself up about it loads, mm. that's going to stop you from wanting to take risks and try try things I think as well do you because that's another trait that women have isn't it being a bit too hard on themselves mm. a lot too hard a lot too hard <laughs> I would say in most cases yeah I think I don't know maybe we believe that if we give ourselves a hard time then we won't make that mistake again mm. or it will motivate us to be better um or almost to punish ourselves for like making a mistake or something Mm. but actually there's loads of evidence to say that 
when we're kinder to ourselves and gentler and we're just you know it's not about I don't know you know it's just about being the same way as you would be with a good friend mm. if they were sort of struggling with something and you're being compassionate and kind and understanding yeah you're not going to tell your friend oh you're such an idiot why are you such a loser you know you never do anything right of course you're not going to say that mm. um and it's just about having that same compassion for yourself and actually it's more motivating um to have that kind of cushioning for yourself to say actually you know i'm going to try speaking up in the team meeting i'm going to try you know this turning my hobby into my career mm. because i know no matter what happens i'll be all right because i'm kind to myself and I'll get through it I believe in myself and, yeah, yeah yeah exactly I think cushions you against failures and um you're more likely to be motivated to to do better mm. we talked about being kind to ourselves but we were talking also in this podcast about um there perhaps being a stigma or people perhaps not being as open about what anxiety is and the impact that it can have on people and I think especially with a professional like you here, I'd like to say the impact on someone can be pretty significant. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, maybe it's, it's hard if you've never experienced kind of severe anxiety to, um, to kind of understand how somebody can't just, I don't know, a lot of people will say they get given advice like, oh, just snap out of mm-hmm. it, you know, pull yourself together. What have you got to worry about? You know, don't panic. You're just being silly. You know, you're just being silly. You know, you're being irrational. Mm. And obviously, you know that if you're feeling really anxious, you kind of know it's not rational. But it's so all-consuming mm. that this advice is just horribly kind of inappropriate and unhelpful and just kind of makes you feel a lot worse. So if someone's listening to this and they think that someone that they know care about is suffering with anxiety, or indeed, if someone that they know says... I am anxious, I am feeling as though I have anxiety, please be gentler with me, please don't tell me to snap out of it. What what else would you say to the person who's not suffering with anxiety about how to really aid their friend or their loved one through the process? Mm, I I think what could be helpful is maybe reading about people's accounts of anxiety so you can really get a sense of what it's like. So there's loads of blogs online on the Mind website. They have a blog section with lots of people's stories that mm. go into kind of detail about, you know, how it, what it feels like, how incapacitating it can be. So kind of trying to get them to educate themselves about mm. what it's actually about. Um, and, you know, as much as possible, just try and be there for someone with anxiety, mm. with openness and listening and empathy and you know, don't don't kind of try and force them to do things, you know, if, if they're really, really anxious about going to a party or something, you might encourage them to, to join in and things, but don't kind of put a load of pressure on because that's never going to be mm. helpful. Um, so I suppose it's about kind of listening with empathy and openness, educating yourself and encouraging people but not kind of forcing them to, to do things that seem really difficult. Yeah. And those I will put the links to those resources because... Um, they are. I've had guests on this show previously who have talked about their anxiety, and then equally guests who said, in the same show, who said, "I'm not. I'm not anxious, so I didn't really get it to begin with." And actually, there was a brilliant video that um, Sam and Nick Chapman of Pixie Woo did, where Sam talked about her anxiety, which she's talked about on this podcast, and Nick said, "I just thought she was full of excuses." And that was yeah. a bit of the video. Sam's stuff really resonated with me, but that stuff 
I realised I'd become a real fibber. I tell to not go somewhere. I tell somebody that I was with somebody else who I who I knew didn't know each other, so I knew that they were alib- they were good mm-hmm. alibis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I suppose, yeah, trying to be maybe honest with friends or, mm. you know, if it's your partner that doesn't understand, um, be honest about how you're feeling and that mm. it does things that other people might find easy feels impossible to you right now. Um, and, yeah, being being kind to yourself about how you're feeling I think is really important as well. Don't, mm. don't beat yourself up about the fact that you feel anxious. You know, you're doing your best you're always doing your best and if you could do better you would be doing better um and if you had more tools and resources then you would be able to do better so i suppose it's about just trying to help yourself as much as possible and getting help yeah Mm. it's a lovely note on which to end this chat with you thank you so much is there anything else about this book and trust me uh you i will put this on instagram i think i've already put it on insta stories loads my my copy is now for me quite battered because i I don't really like to write in my books, but I wanted to highlight so many sections of this book. It's such a, such a valuable resource. And actually, I will just reference quickly chapter three about anxiety being your biggest um, teacher. Mm. I know you were talking about that just before we came on about... Um, well, I interpret it as anxiety almost being a bit like your gut instinct, but heightened. So it might be telling you to get out of a friendship or get out of a situation. It might be a warning system. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, no, definitely, yeah, no. And I think, well, I suppose it's about, it's letting us know something, and emotions are there for a reason. Mm. Emotions are letting us know what our needs are. So if we can listen to the anxiety and treat it as a friend or a teacher that has something to tell us, you know, do we need to learn something? Do we need to heal something from the past? Do we need to change something in our lives, um, do something differently? Um, so really trying to listen to that and ask yourself, what is this anxiety trying to teach me? What does it want me to learn or change or heal? Um, and I think that can provide the solution if we can listen to that. You know, we do have the answers within us. Um, and if we can listen to that, it can be a huge help. Mm. And be be honest with the one's response. Mm, Just yeah, really yeah. ask yourself. It's quite confronting. Absolutely. To say, what is my anxiety trying to tell me? Yeah. yeah. Why am I scared of this person, this situation, this scenario because actually you might not want to know the truth but so you have to not run away from it especially if anxiety is knocking at the door yeah exactly and yeah I think it just invites you to explore kind of what's going on rather than I think often we we kind of just try and stay busy Mm. you know often it takes as I said before people a long time to get help people stay busy they hope it will get better by itself they'll use alcohol or kind of the thrill of achievements to kind of distract or social media to distract themselves away from what what's kind of maybe bubbling below the surface um so it's asking you to kind of yeah look at that and and see what needs to be done interesting do you can anyone find you are you doing any events uh that are coming up or are there any other resources other than the Karma You website that you would like to mention? Um, so I'm on Instagram, Chloe Brotheridge, and I post a lot of stuff on there. Um, I've got a Facebook group as well called Karma You Community, which is um, a very safe space for people just to um, share resources and chat together and, you know, be open about things that they're going through and get kind of support from other people. 
Um, so yeah, check that out if you fancy joining. Lovely. And obviously, I highly, highly recommend this book. It's such an easy read. It feels like a friend telling you everything's going to be okay, which is incredible. So um, the links to all of that will be in the show notes. Thank you so much for being on the show, Chloe. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. I hope you enjoyed that episode of The Emma Gunn Show featuring Chloe Brotheridge. If you're listening over on iTunes, please do subscribe. And if you feel so inclined, it would be simply marvellous if you could leave me a star rating and a written review. It's those sorts of things that help push this free-to-download podcast up the charts, um, which would be, quite frankly, fantastic. If you want to get in touch with the show, please do email me at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com or you can get in touch with me on Twitter. I'm at Emma Guns, and I'm also at Emma Guns on Instagram, where you can also send me a direct message if you so wish. Thank you once again for listening. I hope you tune into the next show featuring another very special guest.